The Fontenelle Final Bell Podcast is presented by Fontenelle Hybrids. The solutions you need, the relationships you trust. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Sam Hudson joins us with Corn Belt Marketing. And I can say, Sam, this really is the last full trading week of 2018. And we started out today on a pretty slow note. Yeah, we did. And, and you know, I think we're going to see that continue here as we move forward with uh, holiday-type trade and volume. Keep in mind, the headlines can change all of that. And, and also, when you get that type of environment, typically markets can be pushed around a little bit more, too. So, now full-fledged uh, holiday week here, but uh, still a lot of focus on uh, trade negotiations, both with the, the grains and just markets in general. When you look at the uh, equities and, um, you know, d- debate about what the Fed is or isn't going to do as well. So, uh, we'll continue to look for those headlines, and uh, like I said, China's going to remain at the forefront here for at least a short term. Well, you talk about China, and, and you brought up a really good point before we started recording this, uh, talking the final bell, is that Pacific Northwest has been on the quieter side, and so we haven't heard a lot as to when this grain is going to get shipped out. We know that the purchases have been made, but we're kind of on that holding pattern, shall we say. And ever since this came about, uh, coming out of the G20 meetings in Buenos Aires, you know, the, the term immediate was used by Trump and, and, and probably a lot of, uh, internet trolls as well, I guess. But it, as you said, you know, selling them is one thing, shipping them is another. Haven't heard a lot of details. It doesn't mean that it's not taking place, but haven't heard a lot of details as far as when or when that, uh, what type of movement we're going to see there. Obviously, the Pacific Northwest market has been the one that's been, uh, really the backbone of this basis issue for the U.S. because China is pretty much the only buyer out of that region. So, uh, when we talk about uh, you know ground piles of uh, soybeans up in the Dakotas, parts of Nebraska, and that rail market uh, the way it's been, uh, it'll be interesting to see how the cash markets react to that, um, or if it's just a continuation of the status quo, but they're finally able to get rid of some of that inventory. And uh, the real conundrum is going to take place here next June, July, August, uh, because no matter what we do with China, it, it's hard seeing how they're going to continue to buy at a breakneck pace from the U.S. without a full-blown deal. And, and as South America's crop is going to start to be harvested here within 45 days. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because I know that there has been the talk of what that pressure is going to mean as this crop finally gets out of the field and, and heads to the marketplace. Both Argentina and Brazil are looking for some decent numbers from some of the things I've been reading, but of course, nothing there as well is set in stone. Yeah, and the last uh, USC report here, uh, Brazil's, Brazil's crop was pegged at 122 million metric tons. Um, you know, it, it's going to be a big crop, uh, no doubt about it now. We are catching a lot of attention here in the last week or so and coming into this week about some dryness in Brazil. Uh, some are looking for a shift of that pattern. Some aren't. Uh, regardless, it's tough to see how we get a, a big run in these markets uh, it, it, off of that situation. It doesn't mean it can't pr- uh, provide some short-term optimism uh, or some buying in there, but keep in mind, uh, we're this far along uh, for their crop. It's hard to have a catastrophic problem and uh, as you mentioned just it, the value of the dollar becomes uh, that much more important to us now too for both corn and beans typically this time of year we're talking about uh, the biggest impact on wheat and that will continue but as we begin to have more competitors in brazil and argentina this is also spilling over to the corn uh if the value of the dollar does not start to back off a little bit here it's going to make uh, uh, it's going to make it a necessity for u.s prices to go lower in order to stay competitive if we take out this whole trade issue we've had with china and just completely pull it out of the discussion this is the normal time of the year that we start getting nervous about soybeans and corn as it comes out of south america 
Absolutely. It usually comes at a time where the crop's been buttoned up. Um, a lot of necessity sales have been made, and, and you know, it's in on-farm storage now, so farmers aren't quite uh, quite as quick to, to be sellers here. Now, we've got cash flow needs coming up. Uh, you'll have another round of selling that'll be needed before March. Um, but yeah, typically this is the time of year where we start to look at those weather problems. It's it's the equivalent of our May, June, Jul- you know, going into July down there, and depending on which region you're talking about, uh, and that can certainly provide windfalls as far as price is concerned, but I think this year's a, a little bit different, and and the rally in price in flat price that we've seen here since harvest, uh, something to note is on Friday's CFTC Commitment to Treasury Report, as of last Tuesday, funds were long, almost 90,000 contracts of corn. Uh, do we have this immediate risk that we get a headline that causes funds to liquidate all of that and we go down you know, 40 cents in corn? Probably not. Uh, the downside is going to be limited just as well as the upside, but the longer they get... Um, without the real risk of a supply threat, uh, it, we run the risk of, of seeing a lower market here in time. And it, you just wonder if this rally is one to take advantage of here between now and March at some point. Are we going to continue? I want to look at the corn for a second here. Are we going to continue to see the basis be flat for corn as weather is improving in many areas? Yeah, there's kind of two stories to that. I mean, from an export market standpoint, uh, it's been very strong on corn. And then we turn around and look at the ethanol margins. So I think it kind of depends on what type of market you're in um, and how much movement needs to be done. I, I think you're going to still see an ebb and flow to that market. It's hard to see futures going so high that basis completely collapses. And on weakness, I think the end user will step up. Um, when you see funds get long this time of year like they are now in corn, uh, on weakness, you need to see that take place. And I still think we're going to be a very competitive between now and May from an export standpoint in corn, especially if the dollar can avoid making new highs and staying there. Uh, and to put it into perspective, uh, U.S. has shipped out 629 million bushels of corn, which is up 72% uh, year on year. You compare that to soybeans, and we're down about 41% year on year. Uh, wheat is, is, I believe, just slightly lower, but we've seen uh, an uptick in wheat sales here over the last couple of weeks, and you wonder if that can continue uh, if the Black Sea region cannot keep up. Any surprise that weekly export inspections were disappointing for corn? Um, not really. I mean, I think as long as we continue to see, you know, the pace stay steady, uh, we're going into a seasonal time frame where we should see those inspections increase. Uh, so as long as we follow that seasonal, I don't think there's anything to be concerned about immediately. Uh, keep in mind, nothing goes straight up or down when you see a significant rally in price. Sometimes uh, the cash market has to catch up, and maybe that's what we need to see moving forward is 30 days of sideways action or even uh, a correction in this market. I know a lot of people are still looking at these gaps uh, below the market in corn, and it's uh, not out of the realm possibility for that to be filled, and we just remain range-bound on all this stuff uh, for another 45 days. And it has been in line with expectations for the soybeans, and I'm sure this latest buy just gave it that little push it needed. Yeah, and you know, you look at the beans and just in general, by the at the end of November, I, I believe we were still like 200 million bushels behind the pace needed to get to the 955 million bushel carryout. Brown folks, we've got more of the Fontenelle Final Bell coming up after this on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Sam Hudson's joining us from Corn Belt Marketing. Look at the wheat market. You did talk about it uh, briefly in the front half was the Black Sea region, all the things that were going on there. Russia and Ukraine, they've got some tensions that continue to build. So what does that mean for our wheat here in the States? Well, essentially, right now, nothing just yet. Uh, I mean, if things you know begin to escalate, I think that's something that uh, World Trade will look at and say, well, 
you know, if we can't get it from there, where's it going to come from? Um, you know, we look at Egypt regularly buying, and I think long term it could be a possibility still, but I don't think it's one to plan for. Uh, it's another one of these headline risks that I think the market has. Funds have been short wheat, and that's provided a path of least resistance of higher, especially when you start to see, like I said, our exports pick up a little bit. And if we stay on the pace now, I mean, we can catch up uh, quite a bit and maybe you know, reduce where the U.S. carryout from where it is now by you know, maybe 100 to 200 million bushels, but we've got to hold that pace, keep shipping it. And like I said, the value of the dollar is going to be very important within all of that. I still believe that that region is not going to be able to keep up the pace they've been on. Uh, the question, though, is timing. I mean, if we haven't seen this confirmed uptick uh, for our movement by February 1st, you know, then it begs the question, is it just you know, too little, too late, no matter what happens after that point? Jump over to the livestock side of the trade. Some strong pressure <laughs> in this livestock market. What do you think of that uh, triple-digit loss that happened earlier today in the feeder cattle? You know, it was a shock to come out swinging lower, but, uh, you know, at the rate that we did it today was a little bit surprising. Um, I think the concern becomes, uh, you know, at the forefront here becomes a one of technical concern, I guess, for the short term. You know, if you look at the chart, we've been rattling around within a wedge pattern, you know, that's, uh, you know, stemming from almost pretty much the beginning of September um, all the way till now. And it looked like last week we were kind of getting up above that pattern and maybe we could run to, oh, back to the 150 mark on the front month here. Uh, cash prices have, have continually, you know, been, I guess, more or less sideways. Uh, we, we've gotten a little bit of a bounce here over the last week or so. It'd be nice to see those uh, the index get back over 151 and maybe give the January futures a shot to back. And we continue to see... Um, you know, a lot of pressure on the market with maybe Packers trying to get things bought a little bit, uh, a little bit cheaper. I, I don't expect this weakness to hold, I guess, forever. The, like I said, te- the concern short term is technical in nature, and you almost wonder if we can't make another run to flush the lows just to make sure those are good before we start to recover again. I think something that could be indicative of some of that is is the spread between January and March. Today, that still gained twenty five cents with the market down. Keep an eye there. If we start to see that firm a little bit more, uh, and the market's still sideways to lower, it could be signaling that you know a, a turn is in the offing at some point here before that contract goes off the board. Seeing some holiday doldrums start to maybe creep in a little bit as we head into this final full trading week? Yeah, and again, volume can always impact that regardless of what market we're talking about. And as we enter this time of year, that's just a typical occurrence. Um, so it's hard to get married to anything one way or the other. I think you play the extremes on all these markets when we're talking grains or cattle. Uh, you sell rallies and buy breaks until more is known. And we still need to find out more about the second round of payments to farmers as well. Uh, everything I'm reading and, and hearing about suggests that we are going to get something. It just may be at a reduced rate. That's the million-dollar question, isn't it? Uh, or <laughs> the limit for you, I guess, which is, what, $250,000? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Well, I know looking at the hogs, we saw some strong market pressure that developed for them as well this morning. Yeah, and, you know, when you look at, um, you know, cash prices there, I guess it's not too surprising. I mean, it, it seems like that market turns lower in the cash and just trends. And, you know, do we have to go back all the way down to 50? I, I guess time will tell. Uh, the whole African swine fever situation, though, is just this foggy question mark over the market and very similar to soybeans as to how things are going to play out going to China. Uh, a lot of rumors that if we get a trade deal done, it could include meat, um, pork, as, as well as the potential for beef long term. And I, I think that's a strong possibility long term if, if a full-blown deal does get done. But it's just too early to get latched on to that right now. And you got to let the charts show you and, and take advantage when uh, when the opportunity is there. 
So I'm curious, as we look at the rest of 2018, and you know, we've talked about this being the last full week, next week, uh, next two weeks with a shortened holiday, what are some things that you're wanting only not only livestock producers, but those grain folks to think about when it comes to marketing the rest of this year? Well, I, I think when you look at, I think you have to start with the soybean market, and and not just because it's all the headlines or whatever, but I'm, you know, let's take notice of the fact that, uh, you know, the November 19 contract made a low around what was it, 860 or 865 or something there back in late July, and we we traded well over a dollar off the lows uh, front month and and back month beans, and you know when you look at the yields that we've been getting in, all the uncertainty out there, uh, something that we've aimed for is if if you have the availability to do it, is looking at some of these premium offer contracts where you can go out and make a light sale. You don't have to sell the whole crop or anything, but make a notational sale where you know you're profitable or close to it with good yields. Uh, Maybe get a little premium on that contract as well with all the uncertainty here so that if something does change for the better, uh, you know, it's at a good price still and you're not stuck trying to re-own sales from from levels that you don't like. Um, And also keep in mind, you know, what your cropping changes and plans and how that feeds into it. I know input costs are a lot higher, uh, you know, 20% more higher than they were last year and a lot of fall field work did not get done. I, I think that feeds into our acreage situation come 19. Lots of good things to think about. What's the best way for folks to get a hold of you, Sam? 1-800-655-3380 or www.cornbeltmarketing.com. And that is a look at the Fontenelle Final Bell right here on the Rural Radio Network. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.